good evening and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Backstage Pass. I'm your host, Vince Edwards from Sound Image Productions. You might also know me from, let's see, Facebook. We've got a couple of pages, Closed Rotary Groups, uh, The Backstage Pass, and Death by Loadout. Uh, here tonight with me is my good, good friend, Kyle Thomas. Kyle Thomas, how are you, brother? Good. How about yourself, man? Man, it's another beautiful day in California. What is it, 88 degrees? It's looking like 88, yeah. It's a little <laughs> hot today. But, you know, it's, it works. We're lucky to be here. Uh, coastal California, can't complain about that. Mm-hmm. Um, been some changes going around in the shop. We're, you know, we're adjusting. We got crazy time. We all know this. Work is slight. Um, so we're making some moves over here and making things happen. Uh, lighting department fussing on some stuff. Audio doing their thing. It's more training as usual. Same with the S6L training. That thing is, these guys are going to be gods on this board by the time they're done. Yeah, I'm proud. Everybody's coming in and putting in the time. That's that's really important. So exactly. It's good to see everybody showing their face here and there. Uh, Sound Image has been uh, backing that play. And, of course, with the uh, assistance of Mr. Robert Scoville, of Avid and <laughs> every other thing, Death Leopard, Tom Petty. They're all uh, supporting it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been really great. Great to see you guys doing it. Um, how was your week? What did you get up to? Good, man. I'm just starting to mix a lot more. I'm trying to gear towards the broadcasting world, so it's getting back on Pro Tools a bit more. Yeah. Really focusing on uh, you know uh, linear phase EQ and just like focusing on you know getting concepts down. Um, you know, just utilizing the fact that it's a filter that applies a time delay, not just to the frequencies that are affected on the filter, but everything that's passed through it, which creates like a, a true time delay. Exactly. You know, and a more I accurate representation of the waveform. Absolutely. Um, so a great little plug is, uh, you know, the FabFilter Pro 2 or the Q2 is a, is a great start for that. You can oversample with it. I've found that it's a, a, a really great tool in my arsenal that I've added on to it. Yeah, I'm glad to see you playing with it, and I know sometimes the, I guess what would you say, the uh, the basic understanding of that device is gotten away from people, and... Uh, oh, it's, there's so many options, you know? Yeah, yeah. The EQ now, you can do mid-side techniques, all sorts of stuff, just in one EQ. Yeah. So, it's, uh, dive it's in deeper. It's uh, frontier. Yeah, and trying to add it into the live sound knowledge has just been a great uh, mixture, you yeah. know? That's cool, man. And um, any plans for the weekend? Nothing yet. We'll see. Maybe having a barbecue, trying to trying to keep it low. Like I was saying, just staying at the house and mixing mostly. So, super fun. Say hi to the girl for me. Right on. I will. Yeah, right on, Daddy. Um, you know, in our never-ending quest uh, here on the show, we're trying to bring you some guys that are just. Sometimes it's actually hard to even articulate the length and breadth of these careers, the the millions of fans they've touched, the shows they've brought to the scene. Some of these guys have, have forgotten more shows than you might do in your whole career because of the way we used to tour back in the day, a lot of a lot of long days and a lot of shows. Um, but tonight, we went deep. Yeah. You know, we get some good guests. I know. I, you I'm pulled talking. one out that had a lot of wisdom whiskers <laughs> on him. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, we went down deep and got a, a, a great friend, a uh, barrier legend, a uh, friend of the family, friend of the company, friend of the show. Um, he's done it all. I mean, I got a card here. I had to rewrite this a couple times because there was just so much stuff. He's known as one of the best production managers. He started out there. crying. Don't don't let. There was tears. That happened. I'll admit it. I can admit it. Um, he's worked with everybody from ZZ Top to Rolling Stones to my God, the list is endless. Journey. 
he's done more Grateful Dead shows than I think any individual technician I can think of. Um, the list is long. Dolly Parton, huge tour. Dolly Parton, you have to think about that. Massive tour. Uh, was involved in one of the biggest festivals of all time. The one, the only, A.J. Fardella. Sir. Vince, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Kyle, yeah, it's man. a pleasure. I'm very honored. Please don't set the expectation too high. You know, I don't want to disappoint. Well, you know, like I said to you before in the earlier, I only say sincere stuff that I know from the heart or historical fact. Thanks. Vince. And so Good everything I just mentioned is absolutely the truth. You've seen and done. You're you're a pioneer. You're a mentor to many of us middle old guys. Um, if I, you don't mind my your age, you're oh, no, I'm 62. I think I look darn good for you. You are killing it, man. <laughs> Seriously, I, I just I'm had major lucky. surgery, so I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, you know, the biggest blessing for me as I look back on it, uh, you know, being in this industry, uh, you know, over 45 years is uh, in April of 1996, this industry gave me Lisa Della Rocca, my wife, who gave me three beautiful children, three out of, out of my six. So I even got the best gal in the world out of rock and roll. So I'm the luckiest boy in the whole world. You know, I've, I've been to several continents. I've been privileged to work with a lot of great people. Um, you know, people like McFadden and Fred White and the Barsotti brothers and... Uh, Dennis Jones, John Murray, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of my all-time mentors really was Jimmy McCandless, who brought me in uh, first at Journey. He's the one who saw a young kid who uh, had a fire in him and, and brought me on the road in the middle of the tour, which doesn't happen very often, and that's how I got my first real break into the touring uh, business. I mean, and what a break. Journey at the height. I mean, Yeah, it was. It was Journey in 1981. Right? I mean, they number were one band in the world. It was out the door. Yeah. Like crazy. These are crazy size shows, you guys. It's kind of an old way we used to do shows. But, yeah, it's amazing. And to get in uh, uh, right there, what a what a sweet spot. Well, Herbie uh, Herberts, who was uh, the one genius only. at the time, the you know, and uh, he was very good with a penny. We actually toured <laughs> yeah. with our own yeah, stage. There was a whole semi that was just the scaffolding and the decking. He wouldn't even source a local company to no. do the stage. We carried with us. So when we were done building the stage, okay, next you're on sound, you're on lights. Yes. So he made good work of us. Uh, you know, got his money's worth <coughs> out of us back in those days. When uh, I mean, in this day and age, everyone's so uh, specialized. And rightfully so. It's a very technical industry, uh, much more these days, that, even though we were at the bleeding edge in those days with the video screens and nocturne productions and, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to tell one story that I thought about before this started, and it was it's a story that sort of brings you from the very first show that I ever worked all the way into the modern day, and it's focused on Chris Isaac, believe it or not. I love Chris Isaac. I'm so I'm doing my first show as a young kid at University of Pacific. We have the tubes at the conservatory, so I'm really excited about this. The conservatory at UOP, by the way, is an acoustic marvel. Yes. It's just amazing. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, my good friend Rex Hartwell is a production manager. I'm his assistant. So I'm watching people take tickets at the beginning, and one of my ticket takers brings this young kid over to me and says, I'm not sure about this ticket, AJ. Can you take a look at this? And I look at this kid, and I look at the ticket, and I said, man, you did this, didn't you? And he goes, yeah, I did that by hand. I said, shit, you're getting in the show, man. This is some of the best artwork I've ever seen in my life. 
So fast forward to the 80s, I did six half-hour uh, TV shows for PBS at uh, CSM when Stu Shafit was a production manager there. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, they had a thing in the industry called A&R people. Yeah, yes. And well, I had to well. deal with the A&R people as any of the bands that they had that weren't famous yet, they wanted to get their name out. They would let us come with our little KCSM camera set up, two camera set up. I would direct, and we would interview them. And I had talent. Her name was Marina Marinovich. Anyway, we're interviewing this young upstart named Chris Isaac. And he starts telling the story of how he counterfeited a ticket to get into the tubes when he was in high school. Wow. And I stopped the shoot. And I said, hold on a minute, buddy. <laughs> I'm the guy that let you into the show. And uh, anyway, I ran into Chris at a benefit at Facebook uh, just about, I don't know, eight years ago. It's hard to tell... Uh, time uh, sort of melts together but we reminisced about it and had fun and that's a great story yeah. and he's a great guy he's he one is. of the nicest guys in rock and roll to work with i love the relationship he has with kenny his drummer mm -hmm. there's a there's a magic there to go out to dinner with him and i swear it's a comedy They're good bit. Friends. the way they do their thing it's uh, to be that cool <laughs> he's, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, and he's a yeah. friend. Well, he's also a UOP alumni like I am. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's one of the good guys, as, sure. as, a, as we should have suspected. <laughs> um, you know, we like origin stories here. Uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, how did you get from there, from here to there? And, but, but, but I know one thing about you. When you're, you're, you're a Bay Area guy, mm -hmm. born and bred. You, your people took you down in 66 to the famous, the infamous, really, moment where Jimi Hendrix did a set on the back of a flatbed truck. That is a true story. And you got to see that at, I don't know, eight, ten years I old. I was eight years old, actually. Yeah. The panhandle is... How did that stuff. affect your desire well, that to was be in the actually, music Well, you know, if I don't know if you can see it very well, but I'm wearing a Mr. shirt Bill that Graham. commemorates sure. uh, Bill yes. Graham, BGP. who was my boss for many years. And that was the first time I saw Bill. It was uh, 1966. It was a guy nobody had heard of yet in the States. They put him on a flatbed. They put him at the very end of Asbury in the panhandle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've got some brownie pictures of it somewhere, uh, you know, him with the guitar on fire and everything. And that, that was the first time I saw Bill with the bushel of apples. I'll never forget it because, uh, That you was know, his spit. Yeah. The apple thing. And yeah. uh, so that was, yeah, I had these two uncles. One was a surfer. The other one was sort of a beatnik. And my mother was busy doing things, so she would push me off of my uncles. And I got to see a lot of great music thanks to that. And my mother had a uh, boyfriend that worked at KYA. And, uh, you know, that got us in to see Elvis and the Beatles when I was a kid. So, you know, I was very lucky in terms of being a local and having a mom that was somewhat flamboyant and... Being born at the right time helps, too. Yeah. You know? You're right there in that <laughs> sweet spot. A lot of it's I always feel man. like that, you know, I'm a generation removed, and I always feel like because I came of musical age during when punk rock first happened, sure. that I got to be a part of a movement, too. So yeah. there's kind of, that's a rare thing. You don't see much of that anymore. But there was a whole times that uh, that kind of would define rock and roll and move things forward sure. in so many ways. Well, the, the thing that uh, got me started from college was that we were doing these things called co-promotes. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, the only competition Bill Graham had at the time was Morning Sun Productions, which was run by a guy named Roy Dubrow and uh, sort of partnered with a guy named Terry Persons, who was also the production manager for uh, Pablo Cruz and Huey Lewis at the time. Um, 
Anyway, I got talked into getting together and doing a, uh, a labor call, actually, to start out with, and then it turned out to be a production call at this show that happened up in Angel's Camp. And at that time, it was uh, just a little show that happened in front of a barn. And we had uh, some set pieces that this company called FM brought in. And that's when I met uh, Richie Weitz, who was the head of carpentry at FM Productions. Yeah. And uh, he hired me on the spot. I came back to the shop at FM. That was the summer of 1977. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, I was an engineering major, a music minor at University of the Pacific. And so I always had these two different uh, career tracks going on in my life, engineering on one side and rock and roll on the other. Well, you know, we'll get into that later because I think we have a surprise for the audience. I think they'll be surprised to know the other side of things you do when you're, when you're not busy. When you're not sure. busy on the road making very large rock stars look really cool to thousands and thousands of people, you do this other thing. So what was, what was the key moment? What was the thing when, what was your first like, I would say, I guess, break as a production manager when you took over the show? What, who it, it, made that I, I would say it would have to be Bill Barr gave me that break and uh, Bob Allen to somewhat of a degree, but I was, to be honest, looked like he was in my way, but, you know, that's uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. but it was Mountain Air. Yeah. That was my first break. And then after that, it was uh, Richie White's. I mean... Uh, you know, my first break was Mountain Air, and then Richie White's got me in at FM, and then the Barsotti brothers, although Peter and I were famous for our arguments, that's for sure. Um, in the end, but God rest his soul, before he passed away, we saw each other at a string cheese show. Uh, we sort of buried the hatchet. But uh, nice. for those in the audience that don't know, Peter Barsotti was a legendary production manager for Bill Graham Presents. Yes. And... Uh, you know, uh, Dennis Jones was another one of the, I mean, Bob Williamson, uh, Fred White, of course, Juan Campos, uh, you know, people that went back to uh, what we call the old days. Um, many of them ended up on tour. Others are, uh, you know, leaders even retired from uh, local stagehands union. But we all started uh, back at BGP at one point. But uh, I think the, the first break was Mountain Air, but... One thing leads to another, and really, you make your own opportunities. If I wasn't out there working hard, um, I, I don't think, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum. No, absolutely not. I know that also the audience might be interested to know that you were involved in one of the largest musical happenings. There must have been 250,000 people. The US Festival, a massive gathering, a three-day event of some of the biggest rock bands in the world. You coordinated that. You were a big No, no, no. I, I was yeah. just one of the many people of that course, worked, but yes. Steve McFadden was one of the major coordinators. <laughs> My cutoff's on and my hair's down to here, but, um, you know, that was an amazing experience. Um, Steve Wozniak put up uh, a ton of money. Yeah. Um, it was very challenging environment. There was uh, very 106 yeah. degree average temperatures. There was dust, yeah. like you wouldn't believe. Um, Poorly chosen, you know, location. Yeah, and we were wearing masks back then, too. 
a little joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't do the pandemic politics. No, no, no. It was, it was a joke. Masks are good. They're good um, for you. Do what you think is right. But uh, anyway, the US Festival <coughs> was amazing. Uh, you know, we spent months there getting it together. We had these crazy delay towers. It was Woodstock on steroids, a quarter of a million people a day. And uh, it's legendary. And, yeah, it's and we put it all together. Legendary. I mean, that legendary moment where uh, Ray Davies wouldn't come out on stage. I mean, I was yeah. right in the middle of that, watching Bill pound on the door, and telling him, "You know what? Fuck you. You'll we'll just never pass work you again." Yeah, you will never work. It yeah, was Bill had a way about uh, it. Excuse yeah. my French. I was just repeating what he said. Well, no, Bill spoke French, and uh, you know, I only I'm, because of my age, I only knew him a few times. Let me tell a story. Tell us about I? Bill. Bill, and this is an Us Festival story about Bill, and this is a story I love to tell. Um, there was a guy named Mo. He was uh, a black fellow, and uh, God rest his soul, he was awesome. And somebody at the Us Festival called him a name, uh -oh. and Bill went ballistic. Oh, I could see Found that. out who it was, fired the person on the spot. But then, you have to remember, this is a huge project. There's literally thousands of us would go into a catering tent and eat at the same time, and it was a giant Ringling Brothers tent with picnic tables, okay, in the middle of this 106 degrees. So Bill, and, and Bill always told Mo, and you know, BGP kept their word, uh, you know, uh, up to a point, um, and Mo always had a job with BGP, but after that day, Bill always said, Mo, you will always have a job with me, and Bill always kept his word. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so he gets up on the picnic table, and he's got everybody says, all right, I want everybody's attention right now. And I want everybody to know what happened. Somebody used an ethnic slur. And I don't ever want to hear that. If I hear, if I hear, and he went through the list of every ethnic <laughs> slur. And this is a man who survived Auschwitz, <laughs> right? And, but only okay. Bill. Yeah. could say all of these things. And he said, I don't want to hear this. Yeah. I don't want to hear yeah. that. And then he would yeah. say it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and I, it was such a good thing I wasn't close to him because he would have killed me. I was on the other side of the tent. I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it was so funny. Well, he was a special guy. He went yeah. way too early. He also carved a path for us that we know as the live event. As more or less, I mean, it's it's they went he, they went a little smaller. It seems like you know there's some big shows, but the Bill Graham True. St style yeah. shows were you know. Well, nobody has Wozniak's money to, to yeah, blow either. I that's mean. a good point. Yeah, Woz did uh, throw out some money. I we have a friend in common. We have many friends in common, but one that is it was precious, a character, a legend, really, um, that we both spent time with. You much more. Um, he was the production manager for Journey. His name was Benny Collins. Yeah. Very close friend, close A person. dear man, a yeah. dear man. The hair is going up on my arms right now. It's yeah. Just thinking about him, you know, that voice, that that southern, that big, that big deep voice. Wolfman Black, uh, AJ, yeah. it'll be, where's my scrim? What's stagehand, stagehand, what the hell? You think you're gonna get paid? Yeah, you got time to lean, you got time to clean, son. Yeah, he was, it was I, I own wolfmanblack.com, <laughs> as a matter of fact. That is so perfect. We, yeah. That is, um, uh, we, I made a meme out of it. Benny, Benny, Benny and I say. met in 81 when I started working for Journey. At that time, he was uh, the drum roadie. And like most bands, usually the drum roadie is the head person in charge. And, uh, you know, he was no exception and the epitome of, of the phrase I'm avoiding. Um, and he was such a great man, uh, was so 
hard on me when I needed somebody to be hard on me and uh, gentle and caring. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get choked up, but I was with him right up to the last bit when he was in the hospital. And, uh, you know, he's a real true friend. But uh, very privileged to have worked with him. I mean, from Journey, uh, as drum roadie, he went on to be the production manager for them. He took the reins and uh, yeah. ran the show for Herbie Herberts for many years. Uh, you know, there's Pat Morrow and Jimmy McCandless is one that, uh, another one that uh, he actually left us very early. Uh, Sadly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I digress. Uh, Benny Collins, uh, just a, a wonderful friend and great man. Uh, Roger Silver was another guy that was on the road and uh, very close with Benny and uh Steve McFadden and I uh, put together the uh, last loadout for Benny, and uh, we had that at the Fox uh, Bar in Oakland. I was there. That, that was, was uh, you know, it was a great time. Wasn't it? It was extraordinary. It was hard to not be able to not cry at that thing. Yeah. The testimonials. I'm right now. Uh, you know, uh, the testimonials and the, the folks that were at that thing were, that was, that was, it was amazing. It was so amazing. Yeah. And I remember when they were doing the testimonials from the stairs, it was just to keep it together was bordering on impossible. It was lovely. And it, w it was, well, it was, this man touched so many lives, trained so many of us to, yep. to be professional, to do, to be the best at what you do. And he, and, 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 he, he, and he, he was loved a, you he, to death. He, it was, he had that weird thing where like, I was terrified of him and I yeah. knew when I could get a hug out of him. You know sure. what I mean? Like, well, that's a, you know what I mean? Uh, he had that love and that that duality, and uh, I think anybody who worked with him is the better for it. And yeah. he he's missed. Yeah, we miss him. So I don't know. Just I, it's nice Thank to be able to talk to somebody that, yeah, he's, that uh, uh, shared time with him. And he's awesome. I, I mean, uh, I, I think about Madonna, Michael Jackson. Um, I'm and I'm, what I'm doing is going through the playlist that I made up for that memorial. I just went through every act that he had ever worked with. And yeah. A, anybody who was big that had truly a big the show. biggest the stars Stones, in, the as music, well. in the music you know, business in 89 actually yeah I, I worry that the audience doesn't get that that there was guys there were the go-to guys during a certain time in this business and there's still a few of those guys out there for sure um hell we have them on the show but like Doug you need Martin. to get yeah yeah right you, right? you need to get mac in here uh, oh i'm See, uh, Steve, you got to educate Steven, our I'm, I'm gonna be calling you Mr. McFadden, uh, if you would do us the honor. Yes, there's guys that you call when you want to, when Michael Jackson wants to go out, when uh, Madonna, uh, sure. Lady Gaga, who, uh, know it or not, uh, pulls down 200 million a, a tour. Um, it's, it's, yeah. And She's he a nice was, lady. She is wonderful. Yeah. Extraordinarily talented and, yeah. and funny. Uh, yeah, we were lucky enough to do her last year, middle of the year, uh -huh. and uh, it was delightful. Um, uh, you know, we're lucky to do the things we get to do. Um, yeah, other sides of you, you know, there's a lot to to you. You, um, you're, first of all, you're a father. You're a father of six, six children. You got five boys, one girl. Tell us about yeah. it. Um, proud papa. I, I am a proud papa. My oldest, uh, Vince, he is uh, 39 years old, and he goes out and does the IT stuff with Rock and Roll Networks. Uh, Black Diamond Data. Named him after the, our Vince, right? Yeah, yeah my Vince. Yeah. Yeah. My oldest. And, and I love Vince yes. doubly because that, <laughs> Vince was my favorite person. He was my grandfather. Yes. And he great. was, you know, and so my very firstborn, I named Vincent. And uh, he's doing well. He's up in uh, Folsom 
And uh, as soon as there's more work, I'm sure you'll see him out on, on the circuit. That'd be great. Um, my other two sons, Tony and Frankie, uh, you know, it's uh, hard to say what they're doing from one moment to the next. But as I like to tell them, they're grown-ass men. So uh, they, out. <laughs> they did bless me with three grandchildren, which I get uh, I get to see. So uh, if they don't do anything else, I'm certainly very happy with them for that. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I started all over with this beautiful, super intelligent woman, Lisa Delarocco. Uh, I met her backstage at a Zuccaro show at the Warfield. Okay. And I was actually there doing some database work for the guy who was tour manager for Alice Cooper. Can't remember his name. Friend of Freddie's. Yeah. Um, and I looked at this girl who just happened to be sitting downstage, uh, backstage. And backstage, of course, is under the stage at the Warfield. That's you know, you come down. Yeah, in the catacombs and yeah. all that. And so I'm everywhere. walking toward and and there's this girl, and I'm I'm cussing in Sicilian, not very nice. I mean, really nasty stuff. And this little voice says, "That wasn't very nice." And uh, I walked over and introduced myself, and. Uh, the rest is sort of history. We had a little online relationship, and uh, we have three beautiful children. Uh, our oldest is Nikki. He's uh, severely autistic. He's uh, a big challenge, I will tell you. That He's uh, 260 pounds, and you know he gets in his mood. It's uh, a little scary. So I don't, I don't go anywhere in the house without a taser. I'll tell you that right now. Wow, <laughs> nutty. <laughs> but other than that, he's a lovable kid, and, yeah. and he's gorgeous. Um, then I've got Mason. He's a straight-A student, incredible artist, Mason Enrico. And then uh, my prize is my daughter, who's going to be turning 15 July 5th, uh, oh, Isabel Verena May. And, uh, of course, she's spoiled rotten because she's, yeah. uh, you know. All good. Feel, happy, uh, the, happy birthday, Isabel. Yeah, when the first uh, boy shows up, I'm sure you'll be cleaning one of your guns. When you're happy <laughs> to talk with him, like just, you know, just getting that all worked out. Yeah, protector. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, we could go on and on about the na names, your, your catalog of rock and roll. You really are. Sure. You've just seen and done and been through some of the stuff. I know FM Productions was a really special, I mean, they did it all. Yeah, they, they built a. They built this. They were the Tate of their day. That's for right. That's those right. people that yeah. uh, don't I don't even know who FM uh, is. They probably don't. Actually. Yeah. Tell us you that. guys used to say when real men did. Stuff. Well, FM actually started <laughs> as was... Bill Graham's personal production company for making sets, yeah. um, and for doing the ginormous sets for the Day on the Greens, um, and they were originally just in this little warehouse adjacent to two hundred one. Uh, 11th Street, there was this warehouse that had a big, you know, sliding door, one of those rack wheel doors. Sure. And uh, that's where it started. That was before my time. I started in 77, and they were just moving. Uh, in fact, I was in um, the last part of the move of some of these old set pieces. Lord knows what they'd be worth now from these different shows that were done in the past. Uh, on Minnesota Street mm -hmm. in Hunters Point, very bad neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, we ended up expanding to the dog food factory across the way. Cool. And, I mean, we did, if anybody wanted a set in those days, they came to FM. And that's where we got our fame, was for the rock and roll work that we did. And we parlayed that uh, into making money uh, with industrials. Um, Case Tractor, IBM, uh, Bell Telephone, uh, the Olympics. I mean, if it was a big production in those days, FM was behind it. Yeah, well, it's um, cool. You transition from that to what you do on your off time. It's like we we're just talking about your little side projects. They're fascinating to me, you know. 
Yeah, thanks. It, it's, it's a whole nother world. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, jumping over into it. So he actually has more side projects. The ones that are extraordinary, I think the ones you're referring to and are fascinating and to me as well. I, could, I know that you have appeared on Larry King Live. I was on Larry King Live. What were you doing on Larry? I was protecting a woman who was an undercover agent who uh, unmasked John Mark Carr. And I don't know if you remember him. He was absolutely the rage in the news cycle for like eight days straight. Yeah. At one point in our lives. Bad guy. He had been arrested in Thailand. That's right. And he claimed that he had killed John Benet Ramsey. And this gal, who's actually my second wife, mm. you know, I'll, I'll reveal yes. here to the public. Her name is Wendy Hutchins. Hi, Wendy. Um, and she went through this. She knew that the guy was twisted. And I have a copy of all these tapes. And he literally, in these tapes, says that he is going to plant DNA evidence. He's not going to leave any of his own. He's going to confess to it. And when they run the DNA, he'll be excluded. And he will get away with it based on this. He said this. I have a recording of this guy saying it. So, I mean, it's a crazy case. And she didn't trust anybody. We weren't even married at the time. So, you know, it does show that we still have a relationship aside from our, you know, we have children, of course. Sure. And her daughter, uh, Janae, who's wonderful. Um, but anyway, that's how I ended up on Larry King. They wanted to interview her. We had some of the excerpts from the tape. So, uh, and this you know. was an overseas thing. So it was the first time that somebody, because you end up get busted. He did get busted, but then on the case, because he left the country, the reason he was in Thailand is because of the case she got him busted on. But it was 20 years old or by this time, mm. or 15, however many years. Well, they messed up the evidence. So he bounced on that. He ended up bouncing on that. And he's had a sex... I've sort of tracked him here and there. Yeah. I mean, he's aware of me. And when you get involved in these... Uh, we sort of did a weird segue here. When you get involved in these uh, law enforcement cases, you know, I, I have, I've gotten scared finally. You know, I, I'm a pretty arrogant person. I think you know mm. <laughs> from dealing with me all these years. But uh, there was a couple of them where I realized, like, whoa, you know, this is, <laughs> this is a nut. This is somebody who could some bad people. who could hurt me. Yeah, dude, look at that's you. When you, you got a whole that's when you, that's when you go get some more double lot. Yeah, that's right. Load up. <laughs> There's a whole onion. We don't even know and, these. Uh, well, but he's done you. more. I, don't and, and, and anyway, so that's how we ended up on, on Larry King, and uh, was because of that situation. We also ended up on Nancy Grace and all that. As soon as the D, it's so funny when you go through these things, right? How your the news? I mean, I was getting calls from everywhere, wanting Wendy, wanting an interview, wanting to get the rights to play the tape on their news program because we owned the rights of the tape. That was the way we we're able to monetize it. Yeah. Um, and uh, as soon as the DNA didn't match, boom, we we're yesterday's news, just yeah. like that. That's how that works. That's how that. <laughs> that was back in the old hard copy days and yeah. all those types of shows. And then. Uh, you know, in, in doing my engineering thing, uh, I ended up as an instructor for a company called Learning Tree. And through Learning Tree, I hooked up with a gentleman from the Secret Service, Al Lewis, who uh, shepherded me into being a contractor with the federal government and uh, working at headquarters on Northwest 8th Street in Washington, D.C. Wow. So my, uh, my secret agent uh, period. Yeah. Yeah. You've and, been revealed. Yeah. And uh, I did a database that, uh, at that time, the Secret Service was the only people who could track your wireless phone. 
-hmm. They were the only ones that actually owned the technology to find somebody. Um, and so if you wanted use of that technology, you had to go through a process. Yeah. And so I invented a database that went through the process, including assigning cars, agents, how that turned out, who the, the case, it was. Detailed. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was fun. It was fun. Sounds complex. You're like a double O entertainment now. You yeah. Know? What? Yeah. That's a bad. That's a badass logo for a name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not I, I can't get into too much detail without getting myself in hot water. Are they following me right now? Do you know? Mm, oh, absolutely not. They could kill <laughs> lion toss about you, bro. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Damn it. I don't I mean to, to blow followed. your boat out of the water, but they're not even listening to me anymore. They used to. Yeah, I bet. Is he telling anybody our secrets? Yeah, that, that type of stuff. Um, anyway, then um, I got this. When we moved to Pittsburgh, you know, I got involved with the local Sicilians and all that. I got into politics. I was, that's something I forgot to tell you about. I'm glad it just dawned on me. What? Nine years of my life was planning commissioner in, in Pittsburgh. No kidding. Yeah, for nine years. Yeah, again, it's yeah. like you wear, you know, a, a know, cape on this, cape. and then I see you, and you're in your shorts and your roadie wear. And so I meet this family, um, and uh, I, I meet this cat, and he comes to me, calls me, says, I have this girlfriend, and uh, his name is Jimmy, and her name is Leandra. Uh, Leandra Ram, and she was an opera singer, actually, uh, up-and-coming opera singer from New York. She had a recording contract. She was doing well, and uh, this guy pretty much ruined her through a lot of different uh, online stalking methods. I mean, he really is the dean of cyber stalkers. Uh, oh, creepy. I should probably write a, a book about this. I've, I've dealt with 16 different cases. People have come to me because of the notoriety I had from dealing with her case. Anyway, to cut to the chase on her case, uh, finally, from a fingerprint, from a letter she had sent me, I pulled a favor from my friend in the FBI. They took it to Quantico. They had his fingerprint record from when he went to school in the United States when he came into the country. And so, armed with that, I sent it to the Singapore police and shamed them into arresting him. And wow. they actually made a law, spoke about uh, her case in Parliament in Singapore. Mm. Uh, he spent three years, hard time, and wow. Singapore jail. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, I'm all set. <laughs> right. um, and unfortunately, uh, we're still the only international cyber stalking conviction today. T tells you how screwed up the system is. Well, you know, it seems like uh, they're reluctant to impose certain laws on the internet. In many ways, that's good for free speech. In other ways, you know, when... Sure. when Unless uh, you're a victim. Uh, uh, well, not just a victim, but say you don't like what's being said. We, we have somebody I talking have, about I have that the right solving now. equation. It's self-exploding computers. That. I've always so. felt that mine, that mine comp should be right next to uh, the Bible. And for this reason only is that sword cuts both ways. You know, if, if you're cutting somebody else's viewpoint out today they could be using that same sword to cut your viewpoint out tomorrow. So just keep that in mind as, as we go through this crazy life we're going through right now. I have uh, a, a large Facebook presence with about 18,000 people, and right? by the way, and I, I wanted I, to hand it to you. What's that? Man, you're the master of Facebook. You're the <laughs> master of this Stop whole it. domain. I, I mess around. I, just, I, I get a little bit of free time. 
<laughs> he's got a face next to his face. That's what? how important he what? is. What you it's say, legit. You're a oh. brand, for goodness sake. <laughs> we, we have pens. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I love you. My, my wife got me pens and cups and so sweet. God, I love that woman. Um, Listen, I know, uh, so you do this type of stuff too, but I know you still do shows. You're up at Harewoods all the time putting on the big shows, Janet and whoever else oh, yeah. comes through. I'm, I'm uh, lucky to have done uh, 21 seasons up at uh, Harris, yeah. uh, Harvey's yeah. Outdoor Arena, Lake Tahoe, working with Fred White, who's uh, you know my lifelong partner in crime, through Shoreline with McFadden and Cal Expo days, and we did the Reno Hilton, uh, when there was a stage out there, I don't know. If, I'm just going through history. There's, a lot of this is could be before either one of you guys uh, coming onto the scene. Oh, you know how we met. It was Cal Expo gigs and oh, yeah. uh, Harvey's, yeah. I believe. And the only one I didn't know in that was the Reno Hilton. Right, right. Uh, that was a little interim thing. Yeah, I hadn't heard did. of that it was, one. It was Cal Expo was actually still going on, and we built the stage essentially that we moved up to Tahoe. We basically took oh, the same one at the Reno Hilton yeah. and moved it up to Harris. <laughs> we're, much better location. Worst things could happen in life, being stuck I, in I'm Tahoe. I'm so blessed. <laughs> to be able to do shows in that beautiful arena that, frankly, Fred has designed from the ground up using all of our experience. Fred also helped me every year for 13 years straight up at Mountain Air. Um, Fred no. White is a special man among men. Oh, he's, absolutely. He's a legend, Fred, too. Fred, Fred in his own right is a yeah, legend yeah. In, in production. Um, he helped me bring that thing from a few scrims next to a barn yeah. into where we were a football field long to where we were That's basically right. doing a day on the green up there at Angels Camp. We had the biggest grossing show in, in 86. Um, Amazing. Incredible. Anyway, uh, Freddie has done a fantastic job in Tahoe. And uh, it's, uh, I, I'm hoping uh, that we'll get back going next season. It's too bad this season hasn't happened, but mm -hmm. we've had so many top name artists. We've had Elton a couple times. We've had, we, the, it's easier for me to put up a list of who hasn't who, played. Who hasn't played. Yeah, that's right. But it is, it is the, the, the standard awesome bands, you know, uh, like, like you said, Janet. Some of the big Aer country. Aerosmith, Stevie yeah. Wonder. Everybody's come through at that venue, and uh, you're the, the man. Acts, yeah, so. between you and Freddie, you're always there. Well, and Jesse Battle, Jesse oh, Battle absolutely. too. Got to show love, Jesse Battle. Jesse's there. Yeah, hand in hand. And yeah. Walter Giordano mm -hmm. is there. Exactly. Um, you know. It's been a crazy time. And Renee and Sherry. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we can name check that whole place, yeah, but, yeah. but we don't have time, unfortunately. Uh, Wait, I, I have a list of names. Oh, uh, shout outs. You're going to do shout outs. You're the first guest to have done shout outs. No, no, I, I, I think I've covered everybody. I hope if I haven't, then they can scream at me later. <laughs> I don't I, see them on the list. They're not watching live, so they don't have room to critique me after the fact. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, like I said, crazy time, you know, politically, uh, sure. uh, um, the pandemic virus, what's happening in our business in particular is, you know, we were big, the first one deal. down and maybe the last one's back up. And it's uh, been kind of a global effect. In your opinion, based on the fact that you got 40 years in this thing, we've seen some weirdness. Sure. Um, but what do you think the future holds? Well, it's it's an opportunity for companies like mine who are already in the IT business, uh, we need to bring screening to the forefront of our industry is really a great point. 
that you uh, are reminding me of, and I'm actually doing that right now. Um, uh, that's the way it's going to be. People are going to be screened as they come in. Uh, most of these machines are somewhat sensitive, so in a festival environment, you're going to make your crowd walk under a tent so they can be in the shade. Can't really get a good temperature reading on somebody when they're out in the sun or if they've been walking in the sun. People will give you an artificial high in terms of their temperature. So, you know, there's other logistics that you need to think about because you don't want to fail people that don't really have a temperature or who aren't really sick. If they just walked 100 yards through the heat and I take their temperature, guess what? They're gonna, their temperature is going to be over the normal and yeah. past the screening. So there's a lot of thought. You know, somebody like me or you that has been through thousands of shows, um, you know, has to think about all of these different facets, uh, these different attributes and their values so that we can protect the public as, as best we can using the, uh, the technology at our disposal. So that's uh, all the way from these dual uh, cameras that have a heat camera right next to a video camera. They superimpose the heat uh, pattern over the video pattern. So, oh, this guy is above my threshold. It has a... Uh, uh, we would relate it to infrared, but it's not really infrared technology. They're called heat cameras. I dealt with them in the old days when I was doing some work for... I, I do know about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, you'll have these devices that'll measure people in controlled circumstances. You'll have the handheld devices, and people are going to have to be... Uh, I, I think the smartest way is for people to screen the questions online before they get to the festival. So I don't have to stand there and say... Do you have a cold? Do you have any of these symptoms? Yeah. And, and all of these things. You yeah. can go ahead and satisfy the legal requirement and the fiduciary obligation to protect your patrons from this disease as best you can. See, that's a much smarter approach than I would have. I just would have gone straight for the bum-bum thermometer. You know, every <laughs> festival goer. There's no skipping that. No. <laughs> you want to see Disturbed? Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to be extra. Yeah, have me throw a festival. So, so, so uh, like a lot of other folks... Um, right, man. You so know, you think I, we're going to have some action, though? You think we're going to get to a big... What, well, we, I, I look forward to the day when none of this nonsense is necessary and, and the good folks who are much smarter than we are in the medical profession provide us uh, some normalcy to our lives again. And I pray, I'm literally on my knees praying for that. Well, it looks like there's some developments coming in the pipeline with uh, vaccines. Uh, apparently, there's a, a treatment... Um, that helps people that already have it. A bunch of stuff that can be done. Good. I know that we both want the same thing, and that's a, a, a healthy population going to concerts. I want our industry to start back yeah. up. I mean, that's, you know, it's paralyzed us. This I, whole I equipment's in here. I mean, yeah, no, this on. whole COVID situation. I yeah. I literally had the best year of my career, income-wise and uh, opportunity-wise. The things that I was working on are just fabulous, and the money, and it went to a screeching halt, to zero. You know, so uh, it's been very uh, difficult. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I also have had an opportunity to count my blessings. Yeah. You know, gr grow a little closer to the family and uh, think about opportunities that are involved, uh, such as uh, screening people when things get going again. Mm -hmm. Just a, another facet to oh, sure. uh, you might the be technology to that my company offers. That's right. 
Well, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been having you here. I could talk to you all night. I really could. We got stories. Actually, we've been here for a couple hours. We had barbecue. It was really a treat to spend so much time with you, Brody. It's, Thanks, you man. Know, it's Thanks for having me. I, I couldn't have had a better guest. I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks Thank a million, you, Vince. You bet, brother. Um, young man, as you know, we got some business to do to wrap this thing up. Uh, Give it to me. Yeah. Well, I want to thank the good people. Well, first of all, we do this here at Sound Image Productions, and I want to thank my brother George Edwards, the general manager, for allowing Yay, us this George. space. He's a big man. We and saw him today. He showed his face. Yeah. He, he looked good. Yes, he did. And, of course, the one and only Dave Shadone, CEO of Southern California Sound Image and the big chief in charge. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, David. I really appreciate this. Um, also, the good people at LSV, they supply us with some cameras. Um, you want to throw on a big show with a, a, a lot of lead, you call Large Screen Video and John Rigney. Thank you, John. We really appreciate it. Uh, we also do practice uh, uh, social distancing and, uh, you know, we, the hand sanitizers. We get the good people at Slow Fiber dot com they take care of all of our sewing needs they made us some uh, personalized mask sound image masks there's some of the guys down south wearing them um and uh they also sew our tech drape and do other things they're they're a great company if you need them for entertainment type stuff uh we appreciate you guys thank you very much i couldn't do it without the help of my crew michael brown behind the cameras the man thank you mikey great job thank you, mike thanks buddy uh, we oh, john edwards i forgot uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Johnny Edwards checked in. Hello, Johnny Edwards. Uh, he's uh, a friend and uh, got a great last name. I'm just going to say that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's been at all these shows that I mentioned. Helped me out. Yeah, he's a good man. And, uh, and it looks like Jorge Eduardo checked in with us. Hey, buddy. Super good. Hi, honey. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and it looks like, is that your wife? Yes, that's Lisa. Oh, Bella that's Rocca, so sweet. Oh, yeah. The attorney. Love is a good thing. So you got weird. better eyes than I do. I can't yeah, read I don't know that. what she sees in uh, me, but I'll take it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Hi, honey. You me look bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I get a complaint from uh, uh, our uh, head of human resources here that uh -oh. uh, we didn't barbecue with her. Sorry about that, Christine. Uh -oh. Next time I got your back. All right, listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, next week we got... <laughs> We got a wild man on the show. He's from the East Coast. I love the flavor of this guy. Uh, I miss him like crazy. We got a patter. He's, he's an LD for some of the biggest rock bands ever. He's a badass. He's a crazy man. And he's coming on. And that's going to be Tom Thompson. And we're looking forward to it. It's next Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on YouTube. If you like what we do, please subscribe to the channel. Otherwise, thanks for coming out. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Thank you, Vince. You bet, brother. Thank you. Good night.